Are you ready to be the best that you can be? Join hybrid business coach and consultant Charity Brown and her guest as they give you behind the scenes access to the insider tips and tricks that will help you take your business to the next level. Charity has an extraordinary approach to boosting businesses to break out of their modes, influence their industries, and become leaders of their packs. And she's ready to pass this inspiring knowledge on to you today. Learn how to change your game and build your business into what you've always dreamed of, right here on the Create Clarity with Charity Podcast. Hello and welcome to Create Clarity with Charity. Today I have an amazing guest, San Nickelbacher, the author of the nine steps, actually the nine pillars to building your legacy, along with his um, coaching business, uh, samnickelbacher.com. How are you, Sam? Doing super fantastic. How are you? Great. Happy to have you here today, helping raise awareness on coaching, mentorship, and building a legacy along with uh, financial literacy. So you definitely have some amazing um, insights for the audience today. So, you know, today's about you. So let's talk about you. (laughs) Tell me what your passion is and exactly what your business is. Yeah, so my passion really is I believe that everybody's worth being remembered and that if in, a, in an ideal world, we'd be leaving an impact that we're going to be really happy with and satisfied with. And with leaving that impact, I believe that there's two things that keep people from living the way that they would like to leave an impact. Rather than living somebody else's life or somebody else's expectation, they would live a different life. And the two things are either time or resources. If they have more time, then they have more time to live the life they want. They have more time to become the person they want. Or if they had more resources, then they could buy time. They could be more charitable, be more loving, be more giving, provide for their family a different way, provide for their spouse a different way. And so there's really a few things that we have to get in in alignment from a priority perspective that help us gain more time and resources so that we can ultimately become and live the life that we want to live. And that's how you build a meaningful legacy is living it every day. You're not going to build a meaningful legacy by living a separate life. And then at the end of your life, say, Hey, please remember me this way. You're going to be yes. for the way that you live your life. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping people live the life they actually want to live rather than living a different life, hoping that one day they can live the life they want. Awesome. So <clears throat> a lot of people think that only rich people or wealthy people can live a, leave a legacy. Um, you know, you hear a lot of people, you know, later in life saying, oh, this is my legacy project or this book or this, this business was my legacy. I'm leaving it to my kids. I'm leaving it to, you know, the world to remember me by. So it's not just for the wealthy, right? I mean, obviously creating generational wealth is, is key generational wealth, but when coming from humble beginnings and coming from, you know, um, bootstrapping and, um, having to take your own power back and developing your own sense of worth, um, is a lot more difficult. And I know that you came from a a background of adversity. Like this was not handed to you. This was not like 
here you go, you know, here are the keys to your new house and car, and you're just part of the rich Nickelbucker family, right? Right. So you actually started from very humble beginnings, and uh, this shows about entrepreneurship and like guiding light to other entrepreneurs, especially younger ones that may feel like you did in your younger age, your younger years. So let's go way back. Let's go back into time and talk about like when you first had that entrepreneurial drive, when you felt like, you know, I'm going to have to do this for myself. When was the first time you felt that? I would say the first time I felt that was at least six years old, maybe sooner, but at least six years old. Uh, I'm the seventh of 11 kids. I want to make one quick distinction about the difference between somebody who's rich and somebody who's wealthy. Uh, because I think that riches oftentimes is defined by monetary existence. So how much money does somebody have? Wealth, I believe, is often defined as a mindset or a way of being. I believe that I was raised with a lot of wealth, but not a lot of monetary, uh, um, what's the word? There was not monetary evidence of that wealth. And so that kind of screwed with my mind, you know, when I'm six years old, but one of the biggest things that I think drives a wealthy mindset is actually the question, rather than uh, saying, no, you can't afford it, the question of how can I get that? How can I accomplish that? How could I learn that? Asking how rather than why or why not is so much more powerful. And my parents did a good job at teaching me that principle. And I'm going to explain that here when we get into when I was six years old. I wanted to play soccer, I wanted to go out and play sports, I wanted to be involved with the people around me and have some friends. We were homeschooled, so I didn't have a lot of friends from school. So one of my ways of getting out of our family unit was to go and be in sports. I wanted to play sports, but you know, in seventh of 11 kids, my parents were Pizza Hut drivers. There just wasn't a lot of money. And so rather than saying, no, you can't play, which is what most people would probably do, they said, sure, you can play as long as you can come up with the money. And yeah. so then that, was the, that was the question. Well, how can I come up with the money? So I tried lemonade stands. I, the, what ultimately worked for me was mowing the lawn. If you, if you know anything about lawnmowers, which not everybody does, but there's these old, old, old metal lawnmowers called snapper lawnmowers. And they would shoot the grass right out the back. They didn't have a flap that covered it. They would shoot the grass right out the back of it. And I pushed that thing up and down the street of our town and got some old, older individuals to pay me to mow their lawn. Now, I'm sure they were doing it more charity than anything else, but I'm grateful for it because I had to learn skills of going up and asking people for what I needed so that I could accomplish my goal. That was the first real work that I started doing that paid for multiple years of sports. And then I moved into multiple other careers, but I've basically <clears throat> been an entrepreneur um, since then. I've tried doing um, being an employee at different times. I tried being an employee. And what I found was that even when I was an employee, I worked for YMCA as a lifeguard. I worked for a few different farms doing farm work. Even when I was an employee, I thought of myself as a CEO entrepreneur of my own business. I thought of myself as negotiating my own wages. When I was 12 years old, I actually was working as a bricklayer, laying pavers for, for driveways and walkways and things. And I had worked my way up that by the time I was 13, <coughs> I was running the crew. I was running the, the bricklaying crew, but I was still getting paid pennies, like $7.50 an hour. 
And the other people, the adults, the men that I was leading, they were getting paid 1050 an hour. So I went mm-hmm. to the, the company. I said, look, man, I, you got to at least pay me what you're paying them. I'm the freaking lead of the company. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in charge over here. And he said, well, they've got a family and they've got all these other reasons why they should quote unquote be getting paid more. And the reality is you should be getting paid what you're worth, regardless of outside circumstances. If you're not helping the company make money, then you shouldn't get paid very much. And if you are helping the company make money, you should get paid for what you're, you're being worth. And so I told him, look, either raise my wages or I'm going to have to quit. Yeah. So self-worth is a big one. And I know that you did have a lot of struggles with that and being worthy of being independent and feeling, you know, that you were worthy of that, even though you established some boundaries in your career earlier on, um, transitioning that into, you know, being your own boss, being able to like close deals and get clients, you know, being worthy of being able to teach financial literacy, um, you know, and getting over like imposter syndrome and maybe some other things that a lot of entrepreneurs that start their own agency feel. So I know that's really common. Like you had that burning desire as, you know, a youth and, and, you know, making that extra money on the weekends and you probably really enjoyed it and it kept, kept you, you know, motivated to continue doing your sports and like you're accomplishing your goals. So with that being said, um, you know, the transfer from corporate, cause you're talking about corporate right now, like at your sales job, right. Or at a position where you're like increasing top line for the owner, right. They're making money off of your efforts. They're making money off of your grind, off your integrity, off your, you know, um, your skills. So when did you realize that like you had enough of making someone else rich? Well, I, I think the first experience I had was when I was 12, but then I kind of got deprogrammed because I went kind of entrepreneur. Then I got deprogrammed by some, some family members who said, Hey, you should go for a safe job, be an employee. So I did that. Then I was doing summer sales and I realized that in three months of summer sales, I could go make a hundred thousand without a degree. And so at that point I realized I was unemployable because they wanted to pay the position more than the individual. And I just wasn't going to be a good position person. And so that was really what changed. So then I left that industry, this, the, the sales industry working for somebody else. And I struck out on my own. And when I did strike out on my own, there was still, as you say, like that imposter syndrome, because even though I knew I had skills, even though I knew I was worth it, and clearly I was making six figures inside of somebody else's business. And I knew I was worth more than what I was getting paid. So I knew I was worth multiple six figures, not just a little bit. Um, I still had a lot of imposter syndrome transitioning from one career field to the, a different career field, going from selling pest control door to door to educating people on how they could reach a more meaningful legacy. It didn't exactly compute in the confidence sector uh, until I got to work through some things because I really didn't feel worthy of winning. At, at a new career without building up a reputation and mm-hmm. just a short conversation with a coach to help me understand, no, I am worthy. And there's people who are not as, not as, uh, not good. Cause that's going to come in later. But at that time, I literally thought that there were people who are not as good as me making more money than mm-hmm. I was. So it clearly had nothing to do with my skill level. It had to do with what I believed I was worthy of. 
receiving. Yes. Self-belief and mindset, right? Like we are our thoughts, whether we believe it or not. And we think we're just lying to ourselves when we have this evil critic, right? That's telling us how unworthy we are and how how fake we are and how like all these imposter and like negative beliefs and negative self-talk and chatter can keep us really stuck and not really explore our real true desire and passion and really step into that role. So let's talk about that. You mentioned that you had some coaches and you had, um, you know, some, some, some really great guidance kind of bring you out of that negative spin and kind of put put your vision in the forefront because at the end of the day that is really you know um what what we want to know is like what kind of evolutions did you have I, th- I think I remember you mentioning your coaches brought out a lot about perfectionism and fear and those kinds of things can you tell me some of the insights that might have helped pull you out of that yeah, so there was really three major transformations I feel like happened inside of me that helped me increase my business uh, substantially every time these transitions happened. First one was, as I just mentioned, having the ability to believe I was worthy of success, to separate some of my spiritual and personal decisions that I was making that were not in alignment with who I wanted to be. So I'd feel degraded or, or unworthy of being a good father, being a good husband, being who I wanted to be. And I would translate that unworthiness into the financial sector of my life. The reality is your life is two separate things. Money does not respect character all the time. Money respects the people who respect it. And you can become wildly wealthy. There's good people with money. There's less, less moral people with money. And money doesn't care who it goes to. It goes to the person who desires it. And I didn't understand that. It goes to the person who believes that they're worthy of it. So a coach helped me shift my belief, believing that I had to have a moral chase life to have money. They, she's helped me separate that in my mind. So that quadrupled my income just from that conversation. A year later, I was still struggling to hit my goals, hit my objectives, got on a, with another coach. And the other coach helped me overcome this belief that I had to be perfect. Being raised in the family that I was and the way I had was instructed, I, had, I took on the belief, not that this was taught to me, but I took on the belief that if I was going to make a mistake, then I would get in trouble, that I would get beaten, that I would get hurt if I made a mistake. So I took that belief subconsciously into my future. And I was acting slowly in business because I didn't want to put anything out there. I didn't want to even talk to people until I knew I could do it perfectly. And that perfectionism was holding me back. I'm sure it's holding you back if you're in business to a, some degree or level. I think it still holds me back to a degree. Oh, yeah. Uh, and perfection is literally. The perfection is um, the literal disguise to fear. So fear and perfection are like the same thing. We we use perfection to cover up the fear. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and that's where I say like everybody struggles it with it. And what's funny is every time you break a new level, there's another level of that that you have to overcome. I talk to people who are making billions of dollars, millions of dollars, and people who are dirt poor, and we're all struggling with the same thing. Just there's another zero added to the struggle, but mm-hmm. it's all the same mental stuff. And so people think, oh, I just want to get past this so I never have to worry about it again. I don't know anybody who's ever gotten past it. I know people who've learned to cope with it, but they still have the thoughts. They still have those feelings. So learning to cope with perfectionism and then say, look, I don't have to be perfect. So just releasing myself from the need to be perfect really transformed my business, helped me double my income again. And then the last thing 
was up until that point in my career, I had always been a lone wolf. I was raised very independent, just even when I was six years old. Hey, if you want something, you got to go get it for yourself. So I was raised to be independent, not necessarily to be a leader. Not that I wasn't raised to be a leader, but I didn't take those lessons growing up. And so when I realized if I want to really make a big impact, if I want to have a massive legacy, then there, there's something called smart legacy, a smart goal. So you probably heard of smart goals, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time bound. I've changed those smart goals and called it a smart legacy. So a smart legacy is something, it has to be sexy. It has to be something that holds your attention beyond anything else. So that's the S in smart legacy. M has to be massive. It has to be so massive that you can't accomplish it yourself. You need help. You need to build a team. And it has to be audacious. It has to separate you know, yourself from other people. There ha- you need some haters in your life. You need some people who don't believe you can do it so that you can go show them that it's possible. Then it needs to be remarkable. Even the people who hate you or love you, they've got to be talking about you. Trump is really good at this. Elon Musk is really good at this. They're, whatever they're doing, it's so audacious and remarkable that people can't not talk about it. Even if they don't want to talk about it, even if they hate it, they're talking about it because it's audacious, it's massive, it's remarkable, and it's sexy. It holds your attention. And then the last thing is you have to learn to be transparent. And this is where perfectionism dies on a dagger is perfectionism says, I can't tell anybody until I know I can accomplish it. Transparency is the opposite. Transparency is I'm going to tell the whole world that I'm going to go do something before I even know or think that I can. I'm just going to throw it out there and then we're going to freaking do it together, not by myself. If your goals are so small that you believe you can accomplish them by yourself, then you will not leave a meaningful legacy. It's just going to be a small goal. You're never going to be transparent because why would you need to tell anybody about it? You don't need to tell anybody about it until it's done because you can do it yourself. Whereas if your goal is big enough that you have to enlist other people, then you have to tell other people about it before it's accomplished. And you have to learn how to sell that dream, sell that legacy to the world. So when awesome. I- so that's a key thing is like really learning how to delegate and be a team player and not feel so isolated in the box. A lot of entrepreneurs that are shifting their mindset, their beliefs, you know, a lot of people fall off and it might feel very lonely when you start getting that clarity in your life, that it is time to change. And a lot of times the self-limiting beliefs are because of the people we're hanging out with. Like you said, your haters, your doubters, your, the people that, you know, maybe are competing with you, or maybe they're even your loved ones that want you to fit into their box of what they think you should be or who you should be. And finding your true authentic self, like you're saying, is the key to really success being real with yourself, right? Like my inner fitness programs, your nine steps to, um, you know, fueling your legacy is really about authenticity. So let's talk about your book. Cause I know that you, um, you have some great coaching, um, tools in here. It's like a workbook that, um, the audience can download. So you guys can go to samnickelbacher.com and click on, um, fuel your legacy and you will see um, the Fuel Your Legacy, the Nine Pillars of Meaningful Legacy book. Ta- yeah. Let's talk about that. What are the nine pillars and what is the, the transformation and the outcome of this? Sure. So I, I believe that my core operating 
inspiration is love. It's a different word for everybody. There's probably like six words that it boils down to. Some is freedom, some is love, some is purpose, some is uh, creation, some is impact. But for me, it's love. So everything I do- And that's the highest vibration. Love is the ultimate highest vibration you can get to. If you're not feeling that your best highest vibration is love, then you have not gotten all the way up. Right. <laughs> that, that's my belief, Charity. But I'm not yes, love is it. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anybody else is bad and wrong if you haven't got there or if you describe it in a different word. For me, it's love. And so everything I do is how can we do an act out of love? Like I never was I would hear people talk about their haters and say, I want to prove my haters wrong. I want to whatever. It's like, dude, your haters aren't hating you because they want you to fail. Your haters are are projecting their own lack of self-belief onto you. It's not, it's, so you need to serve your haters. You need to love your haters. You need to have compassion for them. So the first pillar of building a meaningful legacy is considering who are your haters? Who are the people who really don't believe in themselves? Who your success, what will your success allow them to do or become or believe about themselves when you start to win? Okay. And then what steps can you do today to connect with your haters, to show your haters hey, I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to go do this thing. We both came from the same little town and you can do it too. The people who are hating you, they need your, they need your guidance and your leadership. So the first one is haters. The next is your believers. There's nothing worse than a believer, okay? A believer is somebody who's going to not oppose you. They're going to say, oh, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I believe in you, but I don't believe in me. So they're like right on the edge of believing that it's possible, but they don't believe in themselves. At least a hater doesn't believe anybody can do it. But a, a believer, they believe somebody else can do it, just not themselves. They're excusing themselves from success, which is terrible. So it's the same questions. Who are your believers? What will your success allow them to become or do or, or share with the world? And then what steps can you do today? What actions can you take today that are going to help you reach your meaningful legacy and share it with the world? Right. So it's not just about doing it for yourself, but it's how are you going to share with the world? So we go through nine pillars. Okay. I'm not going to go through all of them um, in, in detail, but the, the first two are haters and believers. And then you've got your family, your faith, your passion, your team. Okay. If you're leading a team, you got your team, you got your country, you got your clients, you got your health, your family, and your fitness. And you got a bunch of people there who are counting on you to win mm-hmm. and need your example. And so rather than building a legacy out of spite for somebody else. What if you built a legacy purely out of love, purely out of the desire to serve and bless the people around you? Well, I think it's in clarity and you feel more fulfilled and you get more meaning out of it when you're doing it out of love and service for your fellow beings. Amen. That's awesome. Yes. So that's key in creating a legacy. It's from love, right? We can create businesses out of, you know, anger, frustration, overwhelm, like be fed up. I'm going to start my own business. I'm done with this. Right. But a legacy is after you've done all that, you've removed all the stumbling blocks, the limiting self-belief, and you really step into your mission of transforming others' lives for the better. So that is wonderful. I love that. So after writing the book and doing coaching, and I know you're doing some amazing speaking events, um, let's talk about some of your speaking events, because this is one thing that you're really good at is going on stage and 
fueling the fire and other people and triggering them enough to, you know, get you on stage to help transform their beliefs. So let's talk about that. Cause I know you were just in Vegas at one of these amazing events. Yeah, sure. So what, what I love about, I'm actually an introvert. You might not feel that from this podcast because I get fired up, but I'm in my own little cocoon of my office. Okay. So I'm an introvert. Um, and I used to think that you had to be an extrovert to go and speak on stage. Actually, most of the best public speakers I know, they're all introverts. Um, but what I love about sharing on stage is walking people through an experience, helping somebody experience change. I think there's four levels of speaking at minimum, okay? There's just a straight, straight up talker, somebody who gets up and just talks with no guide, rhythm, nothing. They're just blabbing up there. They're wasting your time and theirs probably, okay? Then there's a presenter. A presenter is pretty good. They've got slides, they're presenting information. Generally, they're standing behind the, the lecture podium and they're just presenting information, okay? They're not really moving anybody. Um, then there's a motivational speaker who gets up there. They're gonna interact a little bit more with the audience and they're motivating you. They're, they're showing you all of the reasons of pain of why you should move, okay? Motivation is all fear-based. It's all based on, all of the crap and why you should not have that crap in your life. The, the last is higher than inspiration. It's an experience driven leader. Okay. So they're driving through their leadership of a crowd. They're driving change through experiences. When you experience something, it hits the whole core of your being. There's an actual chemical change inside of you and an emotional change and a state change that happens. So when you can lead people through an experience, rather than saying public speaking, I believe I'm a, an experienced leader, right? I lead people through experiences of transformation when I get on stage. And that's riveting and exciting because as I'm up there and I'm seeing these people, see the pennies drop in their minds, see the tears come to their eyes, see the, the pain, the fear, the stress, the anxiety release and see love come into their life. There's nothing more rewarding than doing that for somebody. And I'm so grateful for the individuals who have invited me onto their stage. I love public speaking. I've traveled all over the country, sharing those experiences and leading those experiences for teams, businesses, individuals, masterminds, small groups, large groups. Being able to lead an experience, I think is a true version of making an impact and sharing that legacy long-term. I love that. So after all that, that is the transformational effect is literally changing someone's life and changing the world one person at a time, which is such a blessing when you can actually radiate that and have a, a process to do that. Like you're saying, bring your experiences in, take them there, take them to where they relate, take them to the valley low, take them to, to the mountain high, right? Resonate with their pain point. Like people are stuck in a lot of pain these days, chaos. So I love that um, you, you've taken the time to really explore the, the pillars and the foundations of transformation and taking it to the stage. So that's awesome. So at this point, like now that you've accomplished all that, you've got out of the corporate gauntlet, you've created your own legacy business, you help with financial literacy, making other people wealthy, you can talk the talk, walk the walk. What would you tell yourself now? 
your, your like 10 or 20 years ago, what lesson was it that you needed to know back then that would have catapulted you into success much faster? Yeah, great question. For me, the, the two things that I would have told myself is one, it's okay to fail forward. In fact, that's the path to success is fail forward. And mm-hmm. two, everybody has infinite potential. Everybody can become whatever they want, even you, right? So it's so easy to excuse ourselves from this equation, but even you, the person listening to this, yes, you know, I can do it. You know, charity can do it. You know, all of your friends can do it, but even you can do it. Even you, you can be the one who changes. And in fact, you're the only one that can change your life. Nobody else can change your life. You are the only one who can change your life. And that's daunting when you realize you are exactly where you are because of the choices you make. You have to take responsibility and accountability for that. But the the positive side, the love side of that is I can change everything about where I am as soon as I decide I don't like where I was. Mm-hmm. I take accountability for it. I'm the one who has the power to change. And that is freaking liberating. Mm-hmm. It's so exciting. When you hit the, I am ready to shift my it, my own self-identity because sometimes we see ourselves differently than everyone else sees it. Like they say, they probably think you're an extrovert. They probably think you're this. They probably think you're that. But really inside, you're like, I'm not feeling worthy or powerful enough or, you know, accepted or respected or heard or seen. And, um, you know, there's a lot of fear and shame and things of coming out and being our true authentic self instead of being like what everybody likes, right? Or what everybody wants us to be or fit in our little box. So it's amazing to be able to re-identify with yourself about your true authentic self and your book you know, the nine pillars, coaching, getting a mentor, getting a hold of Sam, going to samnickelbacher.com, checking them out on social, downloading the free PDF on the website, free resources. You can also find him on Amazon and you can also hire him, speak at your next event on his website, samnickelbacher.com. And, you know, you can reinvent yourself any day you want. You decide, right? The power of the mind is so strong that when you honestly believe within yourself and you find your self-identity and your passion and your drive to be better or to be that next level you to really see your future in a way that you would feel fulfilled is key and it's almost impossible to get there without a good coach or mentor or somebody guiding you to kind of get you out of those negative tailspins so um, love what you're doing, Sam. What, what else do we have? So we got the workbook, the strategy call, the done with you legacy building, identify your identity program. Where else can they check you out? At? I have samnickelbacher.com up here, but let's see, are you having yeah, you socials? Can, you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. I mean, I'm, I'm everywhere. YouTube. I've got my podcast, fuel your legacy show, um, charity. You're actually a guest on that. So, uh, grateful for that, but Uh, Yeah, there's tons of places you can find me. Uh, The best place, though, really, is just go to samnickerbacher.com. That's uh, S-A-M-K-N-I-C-K-E-R-B-O-C-K-E-R.com, right? Some people get the the K-N mixed up in the beginning, but samnickerbacher.com. And you just go to contact. You can schedule a time 
let's hop on a call, 20 minute phone call, see if there's a way that I can help you. The reason I do that is the first coach that I ever went to offered a free 30 minute, I say free, but you know, a, a complimentary 30 minute coaching call to anybody who chose to schedule. And I was like, there's no way she's doing that for everybody, but she did it for me. She changed my life. And so my way of paying forward is offering that to everybody who hears the shows that I'm on. Let's schedule a time to chat. Let's find a way to serve you. And if it's just for 20 minutes and we can change your perspective, then let's do that. If we can't, then that's okay too. Um, but I'd love to serve any way I can. It's like <laughs> that LinkedIn look link doesn't work. But that's all good because there's so many other ways to connect with you, Sam. And that's awesome. That's right. So thank you so much. A free strategy call. You all can find him and get with him and download the free version of the book with the nine pillars. And it's like workbook form. So you really dial into your legacy, really transform your life, get that vision of you, your best self, and work on one win a day and get you closer to leaving your legacy, one that you can be proud of. Thanks, Sam, for being here. It's a pleasure. And uh, everyone check out his page and book. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Bye. Are you ready to be the best that you can be? Join hybrid business coach and consultant Charity Brown and her guest as they give you behind the scenes access to the insider tips and tricks that will help you take your business to the next level. Charity has an extraordinary approach to boosting businesses to break out of their modes, influence their industries, and become leaders of their packs. And she's ready to pass this inspiring knowledge on to you today. Learn how to change your game and build your business into what you've always dreamed of right here on the Create Clarity with Charity podcast.